who's to say that the boy will be happier your way or mine? Why not let him decide? No, I'm afraid it don't work that way. You can't let a youngin decide for himself. He'll grab at the first flashy thing with shiny ribbons on him. Then when he finds out there's a hook in it, it's too late. Wrong ideas come packaged with so much glitter, it's hard to convince them that other things might be better in the long run. All a parent can do is say, wait, trust me, and try to keep temptation away. That means that you're inviting me to leave. That's right. Well, you're wearing a badge, so I'll leave. What's so difficult? Your problem solved. That's where you're wrong. That boy thinks just about everything you do is perfect. So my problem's just beginning. Left behind an awful lot of unscrambling to be done. Welcome to the Docs to Dialogue, a podcast about living life on mission for the glory of God. My name is David Reed, and I'm the pastor at Doxa Church. And you just heard Sheriff Taylor on the Andy Griffith Show talk about unscrambling to be done. And they just don't make shows like that anymore, shows that really teach us something. And that pitch from Sheriff Taylor is really spot on. In, in regards to pick your topic of today. There's lies spun about homosexuality, about trans identity, about critical race theory. Go down the list with spiritual warfare, which is a battle for truth in your mind. It's raging and kids are being targeted. And the abortion issue has been on the front lines of that for a very long time. So much so that we have millions of people in our country who don't even understand what a woman's right actually is according to the constitution and it is so backwards that yes we have a lot of untangling to do but over and over again if you are listening to interviews it is just on repeat ad nauseum that women's rights have been stripped and in the first episode i set this all up by talking about woke christianity that's a big part of the problem enough christians don't believe the truth don't speak truth and we have not been salt and light in the world and there's this entire wing of people who are doing more harm than good because they're confused some of them are lost many of them are confused and they are missing the point completely but in this episode We're going to move on from that, and we're going to talk about the other three segments of people. There are worldly, cowardly men. There are angry women. And then there are your torn and conflicted men and women who have had abortion stories in their past. And for all of you, there is hope. There is freedom in Christ, and I have great news. I have the good news, the gospel, for all of you today. And we're going to do the same thing we did before. We are going to see where these people are coming from. And I'm going to share some talking points with each one of those segments of people. So first of all, let's talk about the men who are quote unquote stepping up and speaking out as advocates for women. There's a couple things going on here. You have your guys like LeBron James who say this is about control. And all these guys, they have listened to the lies 
about this being unsafe for women. And honestly, these are just misguided men who, sad to say, couldn't really see the truthful facts if it slapped them in the face. These are guys who are just following the script of what they're supposed to be for. Because they aren't leaders, like they are called to be. They are actually followers. They're really the worst kind of men because they say the popular message that they expect everyone else to get in line with, and then they pretend like they are the trailblazers and that they are the victims if they get any pushback at all. So they create drama, they thrive in drama, and they just try to score points with women. But this is where it's coming from. It's coming from worldly pride, which is the opposite of sojourner pride. And if you heard my last message that I preached a couple weeks ago entitled Sojourner Pride, we actually went into the specifics on how with June and Pride Month, every single aspect of that is completely the opposite of what we see in scripture as what the church is called to. But you have worldly pride, which is condescending, which is blind, which is in the darkness, which looks down on others, which seeks approval, which forces compliance. All of those things are going on. And half of these guys have just drunk the Kool-Aid and they know nothing about the racism of Margaret Sanger and Planned Parenthood. They stick their head in the sand when it comes to real stats about how abortion from its inception in this country was an attack on black life. You have that. And then you have the other half of these guys, the guys like the Dave Portnoy's of the world, the playboys who deep down don't like how this will affect them. And I don't know Dave Portnoy, but I do know he's very vocal about the kind of lifestyle he lives. And it's not hard to do the math and put two and two together. Delano Squires is another excellent Twitter follow. He writes a lot of great things. And this is what he said about this. What about all these men coming out of the woodwork now and speaking for women's rights? I mean, OJ Simpson, for crying out loud, was one of them. This is what Delano Squire said. A lot of guys are pro-choice because they are anti-responsibility. I certainly was when I paid for an abortion many moons ago. I was being an irresponsible, self-centered coward. I asked God for forgiveness, and I'm glad he gives it freely to all who repent and believe. What they are really upset about is the fact that some of these women they are sleeping with with no consequences, are going to be closing their legs. End quote by Delano Squires. And that is so spot on. So to all these men out there, these worldly men who really know better, if I could just speak to you man to man, I would say something just like Clarence Thomas said recently. You could be in the middle of a hurricane or you can be in a calm day. North is still north. You could be in a thunderstorm. North is still north. People can yell at you. North is still north. It doesn't change fundamental things. Right is still right. And the truth of the matter is, sleeping around with women, getting what you want, being selfish, being irresponsible, that is harmful to our society. And we can see right through it. 
man to man, I can see right through these guys who are trying to be advocates for women's rights. And it's disgusting because really they're just upset at how that'll affect them. But the truth always comes out. And you pretend this is something else. Or you can literally just be a fool and go along with the lies. But this world needs real men who stick their necks out for others. Real men who sacrifice. And marching in a rally and making videos on social media isn't sacrifice. Leading a family and loving one woman like Christ loves you, that's sacrificial. Working hard for an honest living and parenting your kids and leading a family, that is sacrifice. And I know some of these same men who are saying this are doing those things. But any real man knows the difference between sacrifice and commitment and trumpeting a lie and going along with something because it's convenient for you. I've heard people say this is a religious war and expression of white power. You couldn't get it more backwards. Talk about reading something into it that has nothing to do with it. The exact opposite is actually the truth. A disproportionate number of babies that are being aborted are black. Over 70%. You heard that right. Over 70% of abortions are to black children. So you have to ask, how is saving black lives an attack on black lives? It makes no sense whatsoever. And I heard our vice president, Kamal Harris, say that if you're a parent of sons, do think about what this means for the life of your own son and what it will mean in terms of the choices he will have. And if this wasn't so sad, it would be almost funny how backwards she's getting it. But at the same time, a dead clock is right twice a day. I would agree. I plan to teach my sons that they should find a godly woman, marry her, have children with her, and make protecting and providing for them his highest priority. I want to raise men, not boys, who won't take responsibility for anyone or anything else in their lives. So how do you talk with men like that? Just talk to a man to man. If they're being hypocritical, just point it out. If they're lost, just try to clear it up for them. Because a lot of these guys have been lied to as well, just like the women. And this is the next segment of people I want to talk about. It is the angry woman. You know, these are the ladies who hold up signs. They're protesting right now. You know, if my uterus shot bullets, it would be protected. It would have more rights. And again, the same types of things are going on. They've been lied to by politicians, by men. Just stop and think about that, right? Like the whole, like, guns have more rights than I do. Guns don't have rights. They are an inanimate object. People have a right to bear arms. It's the Second Amendment. And the Constitution never gave anyone the right to kill, let alone the baby that's in a womb. We're taught in Scripture to rejoice at what God has made. Psalm 139, 13-14 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. 
In Exodus 21, the death penalty is on a man who injures a woman who is carrying a child that ends up leading to a miscarriage. If that pregnant woman miscarries that child because of an injury that was sustained by you, that's the death penalty because he killed another life. I saw a report that Generation Z girls are horrified because all their life they've been told that abortion is just the right as a woman. And if they don't have abortion access, they could die. So in one sense, this is going to temporarily slow down promiscuity, and that's a good thing. But this is another issue that has to be addressed. And I saw Hillary Clinton being interviewed this week. In classic fear-mongering self, she said, women will die. So let's clear this up right now. Treatment of an ectopic pregnancy is not abortion. Treatment of a miscarriage is not abortion. Treatment for septic uterus is not an abortion. There's a difference between losing a child and taking the life of a child murdering a child and not a single pro-life law ever impacts any of those treatments so please just don't believe the lies if someone says it they're wrong it's just not the fact it's not happening abortion is never necessary to save a mother's life ectopic pregnancy surgeries are not abortions preeclampsia and other high-risk complications almost always happen late into the pregnancy when emergency c-section can save the mother and the child and I heard Justin Trudeau has invited American women who want an abortion to come to Canada. Bodily autonomy, he says. But then at the same time, they're not allowed to come unless they get vaccinated first. A lot of parallels there. Something we talked about a while back when I did a podcast on vaccines. The My Body, My Choice movement in abortion really took a blow with the whole vaccine mandate and the same people who were talking about how everyone needs to get vaccinated and it's not their choice if they don't, they're just completely missing the in-your-face inconsistency with it all. Another person who, of course, has been very vocal about this is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And she recently said that forced pregnancy is a crime against humanity. I'll say that again for you all. For this to make any sense, you have to take the leap that she is equating making abortion a state law issue is equivalent to killing women, which is, of course, completely fabricated. There has never been a woman die because she couldn't have an abortion. There are procedures to save women's lives. None of them are abortions. But here's a quote again. If you're tracking her line of reasoning, forced pregnancy is a crime against humanity. You know what's a crime against humanity? Forced death is a crime against humanity. Abortion is forced death because it forcibly kills the unborn human that is living inside the womb. No one is forcing women to get pregnant. That is a crime with a different name. Calling not killing your unborn child forced pregnancy is like calling not killing your toddler forced parenting. 
It's manipulative language. And of course, no one who talks like this has read any of the actual facts. If an angry woman wants to get all scientific with you, great. That's amazing. Let's do that. But they never want to do that because science is not in abortion's favor. So there are biblical principles here of not throwing your pearls before swine. You know, it just means don't answer a fool in their folly. There's not much you can do with angry people like this who are being irrational because of their emotions. But you can ask calm questions to lead the conversation the right way. You can ask them, have you read Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization? You can ask them if they know the history and purpose and operating goals and platform of Planned Parenthood. You can do all that, and you can refute basic lies all day until you're blue in the face, but I think there's a better way to spend your energy. And this is the other piece of it, because a lot of these women haven't just believed the lies. Many of them are actually in denial, and they are burdened by guilt. There are women who have been pressed in on all sides. They were pushed into an abortion. They were lied to. And they live with this weight, this monkey on their back of enormous, gut-wrenching thoughts of, did I really do that? Pain and guilt. And I've heard women talk about how they almost took their own lives shortly after abortion. Dobbs versus Jackson, who is 213 pages, and it goes into undeniable, elaborate detail on how erroneous Roe v. Wade was. Point by point, I would say brick by brick, but there are no real bricks in this case. Roe v. Wade skated through on a fabricated technicality, and then it was changed to a couple other fabricated technicalities a few years later. But the truth is out there. Just go read it. Now, all of that is besides the point because many of these poor women are either victims or they are guilty. They know they did it out of convenience or they know they were pressured into it. And either way, it's hard to admit the truth. But the truth will set you free. Jesus Christ offers forgiveness. And digging in won't ever relieve the pressure and the guilt. Only laying it down at the feet of Jesus Christ, our Savior, will give you freedom from the bondage that you're facing. So let's have compassion. There are people in our church, and there are a lot of people who you are talking with, who you are rubbing shoulders with, who are vocal about this. They've had an abortion. Maybe they've even had abortions. Let them know that God loves life and God loves them. He loves you no matter what you do. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty that we all deserve for the wrong, wicked things that we do. And we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. We all need a savior. And you just simply have to lay your sin at the foot of the cross. Believe that Jesus loves you and died for you and took the penalty and paid the price that you deserved. Death and separation from God.
We have to be considerate. We have to be sensitive, of course. Understand this is where a lot of these people are coming from. And just give them the hope of Jesus Christ. They can be forgiven. They can be restored. And yes, you may still have some scars. You will always have to live with that. But there's restoration in the one who makes all things new. And he can give you a peace that surpasses understanding. He can give you joy and confidence that you can't get from anything else or anywhere else. My heart breaks when I see people fighting for abortion. But I also understand they are blind and they are in the darkness. What we can do is shine light. Give them the truth. Consistently, lovingly, gently, graciously. Just speak the truth. The truth is the truth. Just like Clarence Thomas said, you could be in the middle of a hurricane or you could be in the calm day. North is still north. You could be in a thunderstorm. North is still north. People can yell at you. North is still north. It doesn't change fundamental things. Right is still right and truth is still truth. And the truth is God created life and this is a celebration of life. Roe v. Wade being overturned and put in the hands of the states does not mean that the fight is over. There's a lot of people who are going to ramp up their attacks on the home, on Christians. Satan is absolutely furious at this Supreme Court decision. So don't just celebrate, relax, and go on with your life. Yes, get out there. Keep doing the things that Christians have done to get to this point. We can't take the foot off the gas. And even more so, there's going to be more opportunity now to help out expectant mothers. What a great opportunity that we have to disciple and care and show love and provide support for all these people. Let's get out there and do that. And let's see God work in mighty ways and do things that only God can do. Give freedom and victory over sin and death. And as I said last time, obviously hot button issue, very sensitive topic. I can't cover everything in two 25 minute podcasts. I can't even come close, but these are just some of the things that I felt led to share. And if anything I said leads you into another thought or you have a question or you would like to discuss a piece of this with me, I'm always open. I am all ears. Would love to sit down and have a conversation with you. You can reach me through our website, docsupstate.church. This is a podcast that I love doing. And if it's been helpful for you, please do share it with someone. You are loved. So you know in movies when the credits finish, then they have like a blooper or an outtake or a or teaser for the next movie. Instead of doing that, I'm going to do the most nerd thing possible. 
for all of you who love to just get in and read legal court documents, I'm going to read one for you. All right. This is Justice Samuel Alito, and this is his presentation on June 24th to the Supreme Court of the United States. Here's the opinion of the court. Abortion presents a profound moral issue on which Americans hold sharply conflicting views. Some believe fervently that a human person comes into being at conception and that abortion ends an innocent life. Others feel just as strongly that any regulation of abortion invades a woman's right to control her own body and prevents women from achieving full equality. Still others in a third group think that abortion should be allowed under some but not all circumstances, and those within this group hold a variety of views about the particular restrictions that should be imposed. For the first 185 years after the adoption of the Constitution, each state was permitted to address this issue in accordance with views of its citizens. Then, in 1973, this court decided Roe v. Wade. Even though the Constitution makes no mention of abortion, the court held that it confers a broad right to obtain one. It did not claim that American law or common law had ever recognized such a right, and its survey of history ranged from the constitutionally irrelevant, i.g. its discussion of abortion in antiquity, to the plainly incorrect, i.g. its assertion that abortion was probably never a crime under the common law. After cataloging a wealth of other information having no bearing on the meaning of the Constitution, the opinion concluded with a numbered set of rules much like those that might be found in a statute enacted by a legislator. Under this scheme, each trimester of pregnancy was regulated differently, but the most critical line was drawn at roughly the end of the second trimester, which at the time corresponded to the point at which the fetus was thought to achieve viability, i.e. the ability to survive outside the womb. Although the court acknowledged that states had a legitimate interest in protecting potential life, it found that this interest could not justify any restriction on previability abortions. The court did not explain the basis for this line, and even abortion supporters have found it hard to defend Roe's reasoning. One prominent constitutional scholar wrote that he would vote for a statute very much like the one the court ended up drafting if he were a legislator. But his assessment of Roe was memorable and brutal. Roe was not a constitutional law at all and gave almost no sense of an obligation to try to be one. At the time of Roe, 30 states still prohibited abortion at all stages. In the years prior to that decision, about a third of all the states had liberalized their laws, but Roe abruptly ended that political process and imposed the same highly restrictive regime on the entire nation, and it effectively struck down the abortion laws of every single state. As Justice Byron Wright aptly put in his dissent, the decision represented the exercise of raw judicial power. And it sparked a national controversy that has embittered our political culture for half a century. Eventually, in Planned Parenthood of Southeastern Pennsylvania versus Casey, the court revisited Roe, but the members of the court split three ways. Two justices expressed no desire to change Roe in any way. Four others wanted to overrule the decision in its entirety. And the three remaining justices who jointly signed the controlling opinion took a third position. Their opinion did not endorse Roe's reasoning, and it even hinted that one or more of its authors might have reservations about whether the Constitution protects the right to abortion. But the opinion concluded that stare desis 
which calls for the prior decisions to be followed in, the most, in most instances, required adherence to what is called Roe's central holding, that a state may not constitutionally protect fetal life before viability, even if that holding was wrong. Anything less, the opinion claimed, would undermine respect for the court and the rule of law. Paradoxically, the judgment in Casey did a fair amount of overruling. Several important abortion decisions were overruled in toto, and Roe itself was overruled in part. Casey threw out Roe's trimester scheme and substituted a new rule of uncertain origin under which the states were forbidden to adopt any regulation that imposed an undue burden on a woman's right to have an abortion. The decision provided no clear guidance about the difference between a due and an undue burden, but the three justices who authored the controlling opinion called the contending sides of the national controversy to end their national division by treating the court's decision as the final settlement of the question of the constitutional right to abortion. As has become increasingly apparent in the intervening years, Casey did not achieve that goal. Americans continue to hold passionate and widely divergent views on abortion, and state legislators have acted accordingly. Some have recently enacted laws allowing abortion with few restrictions at all stages of pregnancy. Others have tightly restricted abortion beginning well before viability. And in this case, 26 states have expressly asked this court to overrule Roe and Casey and allow the states to regulate and prohibit pre-viability abortions. Before us now is one such state law. The state of Mississippi asks us to uphold the constitutionality of a law that generally prohibits an abortion after the 15th week of pregnancy, several weeks before the point at which the fetus is now regarded as viable outside of the womb. In defending this law, the state's primary argument is that we should reconsider and overrule Roe and Casey and once again allow each state to regulate abortion as its citizens wish. On the other side, respondents and the Solicitor General ask us to reaffirm Roe and Casey, and they contend that the Mississippi law cannot stand if we do so. Allowing Mississippi to prohibit abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy, they argue, would be no different than overruling Casey and Roe entirely. They contend that no half measures are available and that we must either reaffirm or overrule Roe and Casey. We hold that Roe and Casey must be overruled. The Constitution makes no reference to abortion, and no such right is implicitly protected by any constitutional provision, including the one on which the defenders of Roe and Casey now chiefly rely. The Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment, that provision, has been held to guarantee some rights that are not mentioned in the Constitution, but any such right must be deeply rooted in the national history and tradition, and implicit in the concept of ordered liberty. The right to abortion does not fall within this category. Until the latter part of the 20th century, such a right was entirely unknown in American law. Indeed, when the 14th Amendment was adopted, three-quarters of the states made abortion a crime at all stages of pregnancy. The abortion right is also critically different from any other right that this court held, has held to fall within the 14th Amendment's protection of liberty. Rose defenders characterized the abortion right as similar to the rights recognized in past decisions involving matters such as intimate sexual relations, contraception, and marriage. But abortion is fundamentally different, as both Roe and Casey acknowledged, because it destroys what those decisions called fetal life, and what the law now before us describes as an unborn human being. 
Stereodesis, the doctrine on which Casey's controlling opinion was based, does not compel unending adherence to Roe's abuse or judicial authority. Roe was egregiously wrong from the start. Its reasoning was exceptionally weak, and the decision has had damaging consequences. And far from bringing about a national settlement of the abortion issue, Roe and Casey have inflamed debate and deepened division. It is time to heed the Constitution and return the issue of abortion to the people's elected representatives. The permissibility of abortion and the limitations upon it are to be resolved like most important questions in our democracy by citizens trying to persuade one another and then voting. That is what the Constitution and the rule of law demand. <laughs>